I looked at him and I said, are you trying to ask me if I'm a prostitute? <laughs> and he said, he said, uh, well, yeah. And I said, no, I'm not a prostitute. Why would you think I'm a prostitute? And he said, well, I'm, I'm an old man and you're a young man and you're talking to me. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not a prostitute. I'm just from Wisconsin. Hello, I am Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. Town Dance Boutique was the largest gay dance club in Washington, D.C., and was open between 2007 to 2018. And it was really one of those mega clubs that you don't see much of anymore. So imagine split levels, multiple rooms, outside areas, video installations, LED lighting, and a stage area. I caught up with the wonderful singer-songwriter Tom Goss, who lived in DC for nigh on a decade, and first happened upon town through Bear Happy Hour, one of the many nights run at the venue. It's really a couple different cities. I mean, there's the political city, um, and that has its own ecosystem. And, and frankly, I don't know much about that. Um, I lived in in DC for ten years, and I didn't really fuck with with politics. And 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 I mostly dislike politics. So it wasn't really a sphere in which I was interested in being involved in, or that I was hustling to try to be a part of. Now, most people in DC are, or a lot of people in DC are. Um, there's a really kind of like very strong nonprofit community in DC too, that's trying to make the world a better place. And, and, uh, I was involved in that and that was really great. The queer community is huge in DC. Everybody's gay in DC. Um, and, and so I was also very, very involved in that, but, um, but it's also a city that's, that's changed very dramatically over the past 15 years. And by the time I left DC, it wasn't the DC that I had grown to know and love. Um, and that was a little difficult to, to watch, um, you know, mostly because new money came into town and, and gentrification, which, you know, of course I'm a part of, look at me, I'm a, you know, white kid, white middle-class kid from Wisconsin. Um, but it's a really wonderful city. It's a very small city. It's a very manageable city. Um, it's, it's, it's like the, uh, a combination of a, a big, a big American city and a small, um, and a small sleepy Southern town. It's kind of got both of those vibes happening. Uh, and so how did you end up there? I was going to be a Catholic priest. So I, uh, I went to seminary in Washington, DC. I, I had, I had grown up, I grew up in Wisconsin and I went to school near, um, near Kansas City. And um, after college, I decided I was going to be a priest. 
And so I went to Catholic seminary and I joined a religious community and that religious community um, had their training for lack of a better term in, in Washington, DC. So I moved to Washington, DC. And so, so then how long were you doing that? I was in seminary for a year and a half. Um, so, so I moved to Washington, D.C. to join seminary, and that lasted about a year and a half. I made it through what they call your novitiate year, and then I was in my first year of studies, and it was just it was just a bad place. It was a real bad place for me. Are you okay to talk about that? I mean, sure. I talk about it all the time. Yeah, it was just, you know, it, it you know, it's hard at this point in time because that was shit 15 years ago you know I, i'm honestly really grateful for it i just the, the people in the community were not great and i had a, a bunch i had some people that wanted relationships with me and different types of relationships with me that i wasn't interested in having with them and that was that was that was hard um it you know it was kind of it was kind of a predatory place and uh you know all of the, all, all of the, the, what do they say? Um, there's, there's always some, some sort of truth to a rumor or to a stereotype. I'm, I'm getting the saying wrong, but, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it was a really, really bad and unhealthy place and a predatory place. And so I left. And, and honestly, the truth is I'm, I'm kind of grateful for it being what it was. Cause if it wasn't that I'm a very, I'm a very um, stubborn and committed and loyal person, I probably would have spent five, six, seven, ten years there had it not been such a horrendous experience. Mm. And so where, like, where were you on coming to terms with your sexuality when you went on this journey? Well, when I entered seminary, I wasn't, I, I wouldn't identify as gay. I think for me, I was identifying more as asexual than anything. Uh-huh. Uh, I wasn't interested in women, but I also wasn't interested in men and and part of it was the people that that I hung out with you know I I wrestled through college so I've always been an athlete and so I've always you know so even through college I was showering with 60 guys a day these are you know 18 to 22 year old really handsome midwestern men with the like the fittest body you can imagine like it's wrestling and uh and I wasn't attracted to any of them um I don't feel like I was hiding my sexuality I just didn't understand it you know for me i'm attracted to men of size i'm attracted to men in the bear community and i just don't think that i knew that was something that i could do you know the world doesn't tell you hey if you're looking for your your, you know your sexual desires why don't you look at that chubby guy over there Mm -hmm. you know it's Mm -hmm. not you know you don't see any representation of it in media or in entertainment and it certainly wasn't something that I even knew. So, so when I entered seminary, you know, I just didn't think I had that thing. That was part of the reason that I entered seminary because, um, you know, the big sticking point for most people is celibacy and I was already celibate and I didn't really have an interest in sex. So it seemed kind of a really easy fit for me. Um, but I did while I was there, I, I did come to a different understanding of my sexuality and realized that I was into, you know, bears or chubs or however you want to call it. And, um, and that was a wonderful, that was a wonderful revelation for me because, you know, being gay is hard 
it's hard sometimes, but being asexual was harder. I, I never, I didn't know anybody who felt like I did. And at least when I was gay, I could be like, oh, these people feel like I do. Mm. And therefore I'm part of something and I can be understood. Whereas before I felt really like, like this alien. Mm. Um, but then did you not, I mean, so this is me making massive assumptions. So please correct sure. me. Did you not experience any kind of stigma for fancying bears? I mean, sure, but I don't give a fuck. You know, I mean, once you once you're gay, when you're gonna get a stigma for being gay, you're gonna be discriminated against for being gay. It's, you know, liking bears is is hardly going to be. Oh, sure, and maybe maybe I haven't worded my question right, but I mean, like, when you met other gay people, was it was that ever a barrier? I mean, I mean, I can't say that it. It, there hasn't been instances where it is, you know, especially in Los Angeles, especially in West Hollywood, especially in entertainment. But I don't, you know, it's similar to to what we were talking about earlier. I'm not interested in being inauthentic. Like I'm interested in being who I am. And mm-hmm. if you're going to, if you're not going to, if you're not going to hang with me because my husband is is a bear, well great now i know now i know that we shouldn't be friends you know mm-hmm. it's not i've never really it's never really been a thing to me i'm a i'm a weird dude man i i, I i'm a gay guy who plays an acoustic guitar and writes folk songs and likes bears and loves sports and couldn't care care less about most of the things that gay people love. And if I spent my life trying to be what other people expected me to be, I would be very unhappy. And mm. and I think I've, I've known that for for most of my life. Mm. Um. And so then you so you left the seminary, and at that point you kind of come to terms with your sexuality. Um. Well, sorry, like like that's like you ever come fully to terms with your sexuality? That's like an ongoing thing. But like you know, like for the purpose of this narrative, um, you'd you'd come to terms with it. Uh. And then so, was there ever a consideration of just leaving DC? At that well, point, I, I mean, I live in LA. No, no, um, no. At that point, when you left the seminary, yeah. why did you stay? That's a really interesting question. I mean, for me, it was kind of a freeing moment uh, where I could do, you know, when you go into seminary, you pretty much give up everything that you own. Mm. So I didn't own anything really. I, I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any connections. Anything. I certainly didn't want to go back to Wisconsin, and I certainly even more so didn't want to go back to Missouri, um, which is where I went to college. And, and I started thinking about what did I want to do? And I had been doing things that were very heavy and intense. And, and I just decided that I wanted to make a record and, and I was playing guitar and writing songs and my songs were finally not shit. So (laughs) I thought like, I'm just going to make a record. That sounds fun. And I had, a a couple friends in DC that weren't in seminary that were, that were also doing music. And that I felt like were really great people. And I felt like it was a community that I could build. And so I made a conscious choice, like, okay, DC is a place that I'm going to start building my life. 
And um, almost immediately after I met my husband, and I mean, I probably met him two weeks after I left DC. And, you know, I mean, sorry, after I left seminary. And then it was over. You know what I mean? It was like, that was it. And that's part of the reason that, that some of this, that all of this, I don't really have, I don't really have a ton of feelings around it. Um, you know, even though it was traumatic, like I say, it was traumatic, but I don't feel it was traumatic because I don't feel those things anymore. Okay. Uh, and that's because I met my husband and he healed me almost immediately. And I was so, so lucky to, to, to leave seminary. And honestly, like two weeks later, start building this, this wonderful life in which I have. Wowzers. So it's like, so, so anyone who's listening to this will know that I'm very cynical about all this mushy love shit. But did you just like meet him and just know? No, I mean oh, it wasn't okay. that. like I met him and really liked him, and then we hung out, and you know, then we'd go on different dates, and I just we just had a lot of fun together. So we kept having fun together, and then it was like Christmas, and you know, I went away. Um, went home for Christmas and then I had this trip to um, LA planned and I did that and I just missed him a lot. It was, we had probably dated for two weeks and then we went away for our respective holidays and I just missed him a lot and he missed me a lot. And then we came back and we started dating. And, and, and then by that point in time, yeah, in some ways it was kind of over by the time, you know, by the time it was April, it was probably, yeah. It was game set match. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's just like you know when people when people are sure of anything, I'm like, how 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 are you sure? Um. Anyway, but that's my issue. That's not your issue. Now, um. So and so then, at what point did you start going to town? Oh, and also just a point, a, a question of clarity. Sure. If I call it da- town dance boutique, does that mean I'm an out of towner and I have no idea what I'm talking it's about? Town, yeah. Okay. Well, there was this really wonderful, um, you know, in retrospect, it was a really wonderful time to exist in Washington, D.C. There was a really, you know, there's this whole bear, bear movement and body positivity movement that is happening in the world right now. And it is wonderful to see. Um, but I would say that, that the bear community in DC really was growing and so extremely strong um, way before it was happening at, and the level that it was happening in other places. So, so I would say around 2010, I started hanging out at Bear Happy Hour which is where there's this group in DC called the DC bear crew uh, run by uh, these guys, Charger and Scott, and they're super cool. And town wasn't even open yet. They were, they were, they were, they, they, this was an event that, that was moving, you know, from bar to bar yeah. as bars open as bars closed. And there was this new venue opening up called town. And I, I'm not exactly sure of the dates, but I think it would be 2010, 2011, maybe even, I don't think it would be 2012. I, my guess would be 2011. So uh, Bear Happy Hour moved to town and we started going to Bear Happy Hour and we became really good friends with Scott and Charger. And it just became this place that um, 
when you think of a bear happy hour and what bear happy hour was before town was, you know, a dive bar, this like small dive bar, there's tens, 20, there's 30, maybe 50 people. Right. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden town started and town started opening early. Cause there's a, th- this is another reason maybe it was, I didn't know about it because I'm not really a late night guy. Um, town is one of those clubs that opens at like nine or 10 or something like that, which at that point in time, I'm like ready to go home. Um, (laughs) but they started opening early for bear happy hour. I think at five and maybe six, but I think it was even as early as five on a Friday and bear happy hour would go from five to nine. I think when kind of the normal club kids started coming in around nine, um, but if but it, they would open at five and this thing which it was normally and which is still most places 20 30 40 50 people would be 1500 bears and people who wow. like bears and people that just wanted to like chill and have no drama and like eat pizza every Friday night it turned into this really amazing um, wonderful loving huge community. And it and it and and that's that was Scott and Charger and and town is just such a wonderful space, um, and so you would could come in for an hour, meet some friends, leave. You'd come in for two hours. You could stay the whole time. Like it was really quite quite a wonderful place. And and um, and so they asked me, you know. So then they started doing um, musicians. Musicians. They started doing performances. It's a town. A town is really a dance club and, and a drag club, really. Um, and that's what they're known for. So they have stages. They have lights. They have all this really wonderful stuff. And they started doing performances. And so, um, you know, Charger asked me if I wanted to do a performance. I said, Yeah, let's do it. And the day before the performance, I was like, Oh, I'm doing a. I should write a song about bears for this bear happy hour performance. It would be so fun. Um, and I wrote this song ah, called Bear. Ah, I so wrote that it. inspired the song. Yep. So I wrote it for this one show and people freaked out. And I, and I think then the next day I went to, or the, that weekend I went to this place called Easton Mountain um, for this for this music festival, there's a lot of bears that go there. I played it. They freaked out. Like, I just started playing it, and everybody just loved it so much. And so we thought, wow, well, I guess we'll record this. And, and one of the guys who I had met at Bear Happy Hour, um, Rich Morrell, who's a wonderful, who's a fucking brilliant producer, brilliant songwriter, he was doing a lot of this, this big bear dance party called um, Blow Off at the time with Rich Morale, who's a big um, rock star, you know, like Who's Could Do and Sugar, um, oh, like okay. from the 90s. Um, and they were doing this fucking amazing dance party. And so I met Rich through Bear Happy Hour, and then he produced the song, and it was just so much fun. And then we went to, to we then we made a music video, and of course we had to. We had to shoot at town, you know. Town was so so such an integral part of of the story of bears and and i think in retrospect when i but in retrospect when i watched that video it just makes me smile because that video really captures what was going on in dc at that time 
the the really strong bear community, the huge bear community, the um, you know, this is what hap- this is what happens. Like once something gets popular and cool, and there's people have been it in it long enough, they start fighting with one another, right? The, the <laughs> gay community as a whole is an example of that. Okay, now we're accepted. Okay, so now twinks need to fight with bears and, and lesbians need to fight with gay people. And it's like, and it's, it's fucking so stupid. We do this, as soon as we, we become big enough to be assimilate, we start fighting within ourselves. And I think that was a really wonderful moment in DC um, and again, props to, to, to town and props to Scott and Charger for really bringing like just such chill energy to it where everybody just was getting along and everybody just was having a great time. And we shot that music video and I didn't, you know, there's some big, really big club scenes in that. And I, you know, we opened up, we, we just shot a town that opened up at like five o'clock on a Thursday and I was like, I hope people show up because that t- that club is fucking huge. If like 70 people showed up that night, it would look horrible. You know? <laughs> and I we showed up to shoot and there was a line around the block. And I just was like, oh, amazing. So overwhelming. Um, such an overwhelming amount of love and support in in that community at that time. I mean, it's still there, but you know, a couple in a couple of years there's gonna be people that don't like that happy hour and they start making their own happy hours and eating <laughs> happy hours. And then you can't go to this happy hour. You got to go to this. Happy. There's like five ha- bear happy hours every Friday night. Now, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but, um, and that's fine. I mean, everybody should have their own space as long as you're not being negative about the other person's space, you know? Yeah. And so that's um, like talking about this, this segregation, because I think it's really fascinating that when a community gets to a certain size, it starts splintering off in different ways. Um, with the bear community itself, is there any subgroups within that? Yeah, so many. Are you kidding me? Oh, tell me. Oh, oh, tell me about it. There's like bears, and then there's like chubs, and there's like super chubs. Okay, so what's the difference between bear and, and chub? Little bears. What's I mean, the... honestly, it's it's. I would say my definition is is you are what you say that you are. You know, I think there's there there has become kind of a um it's hard, you know, if you think of like if you think of like a hierarchy of gay people, <laughs> but like 22 is it year a pyramid old, or is it a- I don't know. I just <laughs> thinking about what that means in terms of power, you would be like some 22-year-old influencer muscle twink. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? They would kind of be at yeah. the top of that. And it's not dissimilar in the bear community. There would be like, if you would, if you would create a hierarchy, the muscle bears would be on the top of that hierarchy. You know, they would be the cool kids. Um, and, and I think the further you look from that, the further away you look from that, the easier it is maybe for you to feel um, like you don't belong or ostracized. It's not dissimilar to high school. Um, and, and, and it's just as ridiculous as high school. So, oh, yeah. And, and I'm not trying to validate it by talking about it. I suppose I'm just really fascinated, just fascinated that that people do kind of splinter off into these groups. And I just wanted to understand more. 
Well, I mean, I think it's kind of human nature. I mean, if I hang out with my friends that are chubs and don't carry a lot of muscle and are just mostly chubby, um, they, they oftentimes don't feel like the bear community accepts them or, 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 or wants them or loves them in that way. But and isn't that, that like, isn't that where the bear community sprung up from? Yeah. I, I don't know why. I'm not saying it's logical. I'm just mm. saying, I see, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. It's fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> and cause like, yeah, this whole muscle bear thing, it feels as like they're just appropriating that badge. The muscle bear badge or the, or the muscle badge? I mean, the, it's all... The, the bear, the bear badge. Because, I, like, as far as I understood, the bear community um, arose as a rejection of this um, hyper-polished looking hairless uh, stereotype of a gay male, uh, rejecting that and saying, like, no, actually, you know, this is... We're just kind of regular men and this is how we look and we like to look hairy and we like to have um normal bodies uh and it feels like the muscle bears have come in and been like oh yeah i've got body hair i'm gonna steal that terminology for myself sure like i have some half i i'm a little fat but i have muscle and you're fat you're more fat like it's i don't you know just it's so it's so very ridiculous to me. And I love it. I love that there are otters. And what's the other one? Oh, pups. Cubs. That's something different, isn't it? Cubs. Cubs. Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting to me because, you know, I make a, you know, for me, my, I make a lot of visual content. And it's very important when I create my visual content. Again, authenticity is important to me. It's important that I cast people that I think are beautiful. And... So I'm never going to be like casting a twink as my love interest because first of all, they have enough jobs and, and that's not really where the kind of man that I desire. So I want to be honest about that. And you'll oftentimes see, actually, you probably won't see it now that I'm mentioning, nobody will see it because I delete comments so much. People will comment like, oh, those guys aren't bears. They are just (gasps) fat or they'll say really mean. Wow. And I just, I mean, I delete that stuff all the time because fuck that. I don't want that negativity. And it's, and I don't believe it to be true. And I'm not going to get into an argument about it. Like if you, if you want, if you want to talk about your, your tastes and your beauty, then go ahead and make your own song and make your own video. That's great. But don't trash other, don't trash other people, you know? It's, I mean, it's so fascinating because who, like this whole thing about commenting, because like who actually thinks that we give a shit about your opinion? Like. Every single person in the world. go away. (laughs) Oh, like, you know, obviously I take that back if someone has something nice to say, but like, if you've just got something that's kind of like, kind of shady, kind of petty, like, why do you feel the need to, to comment? It's really odd. I, no, I don't know. It's 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 sad. I mean, I don't know why why we feel like, and I think our community generally really values meanness and cattiness, and you know, we 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 encourage it in a lot of ways, and I, I'm not sure that it's always healthy. Do you think it's like, uh, oh God, let's not try and psychoanalyze people. No, let's just step away from that conversation. Okay. 
Okay, let's go back to town. So, so town really helped kind of accelerate this consolidation of the bear community. Absolutely, and I think you know you talk. We talked about the splintering off into different bear happy hours, but the truth is, you know, once town closed, how you know when there's fifteen hundred people showing up every single week, town was massive. So talk, tell, so talk to me about like what what is the venue like so walk you walk through the front it was door a and... warehouse it was just this huge warehouse that was two stories and um eventually they even built an outdoor patio so you could probably have three four hundred people outside before you even could fit i don't know what the capacity is I, i'm not sure but it was crazy huge crazy huge and you know, exposed bricks and great lights and great sound and just a great low key vibe that made you feel comfortable. And once they built the patio, it was just like all these places to sit and a bar out there. And it was just like every, and oh, and the thing that was really fun too, is they, they, the thing they did for bear happy hour was I think it was $5 pitchers. Now I don't drink, so forgive me. Um, I never once bought a drink there. (laughs) I can't believe that. You're the reason they closed. I'm the reason they closed. No, it's, <laughs> it was really, it was, it's really like because all the neighborhoods changed so quickly. Um, but they, you drank out of a pitcher. They had these, uh, you know, everybody like it was super, super faux masculine. I mean, it was sometimes masculine, but they're all gay guys, so you're you're playing off a stereotype. And and um, everybody was holding a pitcher full of beer and just drinking out of a pitcher. Like it was so much fun. And they, they would deliver like 50 pizzas at seven o'clock. And then like all the bears would take their pitchers and walk up to the pizza and like eat the free pizza. And like, it was so much fun. (gasps) So not only did you not buy drinks, you took free pizza. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, I went to that club, you know, probably 50 times for bear happy hour and probably spent, you know, $20. So <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud, I kind of feel bad. No, but no, but like genuinely it is really hard when you don't drink alcohol because you can, you can't drink that many Cokes without like just getting on a sugar high. So I'm totally with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, you. I would just kind of sip on water. I definitely bought some waters too. I mean, (laughs) it's okay. You don't need to. (laughs) So let's talk about bear happy hour. What would I expect if I went apart from pizza? Just like a huge warehouse full of dudes and, and everybody kind of like open to having a conversation like early. If you were there early, if you were there like six, six 30, you could you could steal just a bunch of spatterings of people and you could join any conversation that you wanted to. If it was more closer to eight, then you can pack like packed bodies, everybody all the time. You couldn't move through that crowd without somebody grabbing your shoulder and hugging you and saying like, oh, it's great to see you. Oh, hey, what's up? I've seen you around before. What's your name? You know, it was very friendly. It was very much like, uh, s- small town gay America. Oh wow! Yeah. And how do you like? How do you think they achieved that kind of small town? Because DC is not a small town, really. Um, but how do you think they achieved that vibe? 
Um, I, I think that it, I think again it started with Scott and Charger and Town. Mm. Like I don't think they they ever were trying to be anything but what they were. They were like, we are just a bunch of dudes who want to see our friends, and that's it. We want we want our friends to feel comfortable. We want to create an atmosphere which they would think is fun and comfortable. And for bears, you know, oftentimes it's just a beer and pizza. So if you can transpose the kind of familialness of being being amongst friends in your living room and having some beer and, and playing a video game or watching TV or watching a movie and, and having a pizza, like honestly, when we think about the moments that are so fun to we that's it. We just hang out with our friends in a place we feel comfortable, having a good conversation and having some good food and drink. And that's all that they did. They didn't make it super fancy. They didn't try to, to sell you something that you didn't want to buy. They just created a familial atmosphere. And uh, and so, like, was there any, other than yourself, of course, was there any entertainment, like drag or performances? Yes. Um, again, town is really a, a drag in a club bar. So the drag happened every single Friday, immediately after Bear Happy Hour. This is really, in some ways, pre pre um, drag race too. Like it was the very beginnings of it. Yeah. But every single drag race performer has performed at town. Um, they would occasionally have, um, maybe I would say like once a month, they would have performers. So that would be like you know, me or Big Dipper or, um, you know, other people that were doing things in the bear space. I'm trying to think of, of who, who they were, but I'm not really, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank, but that's okay. Yeah, there was a downstairs and an upstairs. Oh, and they started doing karaoke. So the upstairs was the, the whole huge warehouse and that's where there would be like a thousand people, right? But then downstairs, there was another club, which is where the drag happened and where the performing happened. It was really um, um, designed for performing. And that was probably like a 300 capacity um, space. And uh, so down there is where the performances would be. So you could go to the performances and you could go upstairs and talk to your friends, go down to the performance. Like it was kind of like just this casual thing that was always moving. Um and then for a while, for a long time, they were also doing karaoke. So, yes, and I want to ask about this. Yeah. So if you weren't, if there wasn't a performance, then there would be people singing karaoke, and and it was just like all this little low key fun. Like none of it was, none of it was full of pressure. None of it. Everything was fun. <laughs> so then, uh, like you know, the the obvious question for me to ask now is what is your song of choice for karaoke? honestly i didn't sing karaoke that much <laughs> my song Why? my song of choice for karaoke is 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 uh these days uh has been uh, um what's the name of that song this hidden that i stole that child five for that white goat this one for the hood girls and good girls straight masterpieces who is that styling Wildin', living it up in the city. Got Chuck Stone, no sail around. Oh, oh, it's Uptown Funk. Yeah, Uptown Funk. Okay, Funk okay. <laughs> I just like doing. I just like doing fun, fun stuff. You know, for me, I, there's so many 
guys who get up there, guys or gals, and they're singing like the slowest ballad. You've oh ever God, heard. so dreary. I have a, even though I'm a performer, I I'm fucking terrified of karaoke. I just hate it so much. But um, I I have this like if I ever opened my own karaoke bar, which you know the likelihood is not high, I would make sure all the songs finished after one and a half minutes because no one wants to sit through the whole thing. I think if it's fast, people do. I mean, the great thing about Uptown Funk for me is that like I can jump around on stage and there's a call and response and people, you know, people get into it, you know. Um, and I think like if, if, I, if it was a boring performer, like you need a contingency plan. Agreed. I think if I was opening a karaoke bar, it would be all fast songs. It'd be like four <laughs> You're like 1,000 songs, four ballads. And you can only- You want to sing My Heart Will Go On? We've only got the, the version that's uh-huh. in 160 BPM. Sorry. Go yeah, that's <laughs> All right, cool. So, so is this a business idea that we need to discuss more? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that, was, that was convincing. <laughs> I mean, I just do the dumb, I, you know, I'll do hip hop, all this stuff. Like whatever is going to make me look stupid and is going to get a laugh, I'm, I'm down for. <laughs> um. And so, so if we move away from Bear Happy Hour for a moment, sorry to do that. Um, did you did you ever go to town on any other nights? Once or twice, not not really. Um, <laughs> and I would probably say that the majority of the people that went to Bear Happy Hour did not go any other nights because it was a very very different crowd. So if there's fifteen hundred people a week, you're talking about. 10,000 people that are running through there, you know, every couple months, right? Because it's not the same people every single week. Um, and I would say that almost all of them never went to town at any other time. And I mean, I have friends in the music industry, so sometimes I, they'd be spinning. They'd be like, because it's like dance club. And uh, so I'd go at midnight to town and check out, check out their set and like dance and, and stuff like that um or a drag show but it was honestly kind of hilarious because you around nine o'clock if you stood at the door um because now there was a line because there was a cover if you if you went to bear happy hour there was no cover but you would see like 40 year old men in half open flannels and graphic tees all bearded and a little tipsy walking out and lines of 20-year-old 20-year-old twinks in 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 tank tops in glittery gr- glittery outfits and daisy dukes waiting to get in like the, the the two demographics couldn't have been um much different and it was very uh it was very interesting to watch <laughs> but okay so what happens then when you're at a bear night and someone who's attracted to bears but isn't a bear goes, are they set upon? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's me, right? You're describing me. Um, I'm pretty oblivious to, to flirting, I guess. So I guess it depends on who you are. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But maybe it's true. Maybe I'm just dumb, and I don't. See <laughs> and that could totally be the case. I, I also, I, you know, I'm also from Wisconsin, and I'm very, very friendly. 
And so I think people think I'm flirting on them all the time. So if I'm having a conversation with somebody, I think people are probably hitting on me and think I'm hitting on them. But mostly I'm just, I had this really funny interaction at 440, which is a bear bar in San Francisco, um, where I was up there for a show and I was talking to this guy and he started asking me this really strange series of questions. And I realized at some point that I looked at him and I said, are you trying to ask me if I'm a prostitute? <laughs> he said, he said, uh, well, yeah. And I said, no, I'm not a prostitute. Why would you think I'm a prostitute? And he said, well, I'm, I'm an old man and you're a young man and you're talking to me. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not a prostitute. I'm just from Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> we talked to everybody, you know, and I think that was what was great about the Bear Happy Hour vibe is it kind of had that Midwest really laid back vibe. Like everybody just talked to everybody. There wasn't, I'm sure that there was somebody who walked in and, and a lot of people hit on him, but I think everybody was more just happy that the week was over, happy to see their friends. And if they went there and, and they found somebody to go home with, they were like happy about that. But if they didn't, they certainly found someone to go to dinner with, you know, they found a group of friends to go to dinner with after the win-win. That is a win-win. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends what you're having for dinner, I suppose. <laughs> um, and so do you remember hearing about the venue closing? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was a big thing and they, they announced it for like a year. Like they knew about it for like a year. What was um, the reason? It's really just a neighborhood gentrification, really. Like... Um, there, I think the owner of the building is is turning it into a condo. It's pro- there's probably a huge yes. condo. Yes. Um, that was really the whole the whole neighborhood was just going up in these big, you know, modern condos, and and they could make money more money on the you know making it a condo than they could mm-hmm. at town, regardless of how successful town was. It wasn't that town was never town was always super successful from the jump. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, the, the neighborhood just changed so drastically. Um, and that's really what it was. And so uh, when you heard about it closing, what was your reaction? Well, I had a final show there. Um, I was very sad. You know, we came back and we knew it was closing. Um, and you knew the date that it was closing. So, you know, so... I talked to Charger and Scott and we had like, we set up a final performance and I went there and I had a performance and I hung out at Bear Happy Hour and I gave a lot of people hugs and, and yeah, I, I mean, talking about it now, I'm, I'm getting kind of emotional. Like I want to cry a little bit. It was such a wonderful, wonderful space and such a wonderful group of men that went to that space. And so what's happened then to the bear community in DC? Do you know? Yeah, well, there's a lot of, you know, so so Charger and Scott moved their bear happy hour about a block away to this um, bear bar called Uproar. And so um, the DC bear crew, bear happy hour is now happening at Uproar. Um, there was a bear, another bear happy hour that splintered about a year before town closed um, on the east side of town at this place called uh, rock and roll hotel. 
Um, there was a bear happy hour that opened up at the Eagle, but I just saw that the Eagle permanently closed. Um, so there was a lot of bear happy hours that, that it splintered into. But, but you know, when I've gone back after town is closed, I've gone to Uproar and, and seen Charger and Scott and, and all that. But, um, you know, again, you're, you're going from a warehouse to a dive bar. So, so the vibe's really different. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back one, one last time, what would you do? Huh. What would I do? I would give a lot of hugs. That's really what I would do. I would, I would, I would like breathe in the moment of the thing. I think the thing about, I think the thing about the, the, the places and the people that are most influential to you sometimes is that you don't know they are more influential to you the most influential to you until it's gone. Um, and so now that it's gone, I, and I feel so grateful to, <clears throat> to have made bears and to have made that music video and to have a, a visual representation and have been able to capture that energy of that thing that was so amazing. Because that that video really captures the energy of the people there. All the people in that video I met at Bear Happy Hour, every single one except my husband, um, are from that Bear Happy Hour days. And so if I could go back, I would just go back with with the with the reverence of knowing that this is a magical thing in a magical place. And you don't know it because you think every place is like it. But I've gone around the world now and and I've gone to so many bear events and nothing compares to what that was. Did you ever go to Town Dance Boutique? Well, if you did, I want to hear all about it. Send me a message, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, yada, yada, yada. My username is K Anderson Music. Find me there and tell me the gossip. Let me know what you did and who you did it with, obviously. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I've been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there and will be releasing songs over the coming year. You can hear the first single, which is called Well Groomed Boys, playing underneath my talking right now on all good streaming platforms. If you like this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribe, left a review on Apple Podcasts, or just told people who you think might be interested in having a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.